Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. again for getting that one that was we had to reliving some of these uh great phillies moments from 07 to 11 tonight and that was the jimmy walk-off that was my favorite moment other than winning the world series which is obviously the best that moment was unbelievable i was at that game and i talked about it earlier in the show I, you know you're first you're just looking to see if that ball's going to get down and then it, you see it fall and then i'm like oh my it's going to the wall and then I look back, and Carlos Ruiz is rounding third, and I'll, I'll, they're going to win this game. They're going to win this game. And it was just absolutely incredible. The stadium was going nuts. That was the loudest I ever heard a stadium until uh, the NFC Championship game. I was at that NFC Championship game, and when Patrick Robinson returned that pick six, that was the loudest I've ever heard a stadium. That The link was shaking when Patrick Robinson took that back. But that Jimmy walk-off was amazing. Um that was my favorite. So if you want to get in on your best moments from that era of Phillies baseball, as we look ahead to the next great era, Bryce Harper is a Philly. If you missed it earlier, it doesn't look like he's going to play uh, in spring training ball till next Saturday. Looks like that's going to be his first, first outing um, down in Clearwater. If you're going down there. So uh, if you're going down during the week this week, sorry, you're probably out of luck as far as seeing him in a game. Um, but Bryce will be playing next Saturday, hopefully. And uh, we'll enter this new era of Phillies baseball. Can't wait. We're talking about that. Um, what you can expect from the Phillies this year. I think they could win the NL East this year. I think they're good enough right away with this offense and bullpen. If they just get average starting pitching, uh, they're going to be right in the hunt. Um, talk about Gabe this year, how he's going to be different. I think he's going to manage differently. I think he's going to be much less of a tinkerer, if you will. And he'll be much more of a straightforward manager this season. Uh, and then um, also talking about the Sixers and that loss to Golden State last night, which you just look at a three-point loss to Golden State without Joel Embiid. Okay, that you know you take that. That's going to happen. But the way it happened was concerning. And you see this with Brett Brown sometimes, where there seem to be certain situations where he's a bit overmatched. And I didn't understand telling Ben Simmons to miss a free throw down two with 10 seconds left. Made no sense. You make it, you defend the inbound, maybe you get a steal down one, and then you win the game right there. 
that kind of situation happened against OKC earlier this year. Sixers still lost the game, unfortunately, but they got a steal off an inbound, and they went up, and then Paul George hit a ridiculous shot. But, you know, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to intentionally miss that free throw. There's too much time left. Under five seconds, things change. Ten seconds, too much time. It's a very low percentage play that you're going to miss that free throw off the rim and get it. Even Draymond Green said, Draymond Green said after the game, yeah, I was shocked. He's like, we didn't expect that. We didn't think he's going to try to miss it. And say what you want about Draymond Green. He's one of the smartest players in the game. And the fact that he didn't even think of that um, tells you that it probably wasn't the right play. So I, I didn't get it. I didn't get not going for a quick two. Um, and instead walking the ball off the floor, I thought Brett Brett Brown really mismanaged the situation. And when you take that and you couple it with the fact that he gets, he gets the, the, he gets crushed by Brad Stevens every time they face the Celtics, despite the Celtics certainly now having inferior talent, especially when, you know, you play him a couple weeks ago without Kyrie Irving. And everybody else is crushing the Celtics. The Celtics know how to play against the Sixers, and the Sixers don't make any adjustments to to counter. It makes you worried about Brett Brown a little bit as a coach as you head into a critical, critical playoff season. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 if you want to get through. Let's go to Andrew and Vineland. What's up, Andrew? What's going on? How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing, man? Good. Ah, could be better. I'm tired of seeing the Sixers lose year after year in these close games at the end. They can't close out any game, and it's still the case. I can't take it anymore. I believe, and I've been saying since the beginning of this or even before the last year, I think that Brett Brown is not the right coach for this team. I think he's a great guy, and I like him, and I think he's a good coach. But I think that this team, especially now, after getting Jimmy Baller and Tobias, where we can make a serious run, you know, deep run into the playoffs, if not get to the finals, but I don't think we can get there with Brett Brown. I don't think he's good enough or has he not even good enough, just has he experienced enough yet for this much talent. And it kind of shows where how he, like you were saying, mismanages ends of games. How many times do we say this? A lot. Yeah. And, and, and it's a shame because I feel like it's almost a waste of, ta- of, of an incredibly talented starting five. Yeah. And, and it really. remains to be seen. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to completely condemn him yet. I mean, he's only been in the playoffs one year. Last year, Nick. I get it. Last year was a, <laughs> last year was a learning experience for, for all of them. Cause there was a, basically everybody on the floor uh, and, and on the coaching staff uh, with the exception of JJ Redick are in those positions for the first time. So it's right. kind of a learning experience. We'll see this year, but I I'm telling you, Andrew, um, I expect, expected Indiana to drop off. I still think the Sixers get the three seed, but if they end up with the four seed and they play against Boston, I got to say, I'm not feeling great about that series, even with how bad Boston looks, and they look awful right, right now. They do. So, it's a shame. I, I just hope that – I mean, I don't know every single, you know, personnel on the coaching end of things, but I, I have to imagine somebody's – chirping in his ears, you know, what the hell's going on sometimes, don't you? I mean, you got to think so. I mean, these are guys that have been basketball guys for a long time. I mean, Brett Brown is not a a newcomer to the NBA. I mean, Brett Brown has been in the NBA for a really long time. That's why it's kind of inexplicable to me some of these, you know, things that seem rather obvious. I don't know if he makes it too complicated because that, that last night 
Tell Ben to miss that free throw. That's just outthinking yourself. You know, that's thinking yeah. about it too hard. Just tell him to make the shot. It's easy. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not maybe not that easy for Ben Simmons to make a free throw, but he, he was 5 for 5 last try. night, man, until <laughs> that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Uh but yeah, I I mean I I love this team and um I, I just would hate to see like I was saying, I just hate to see it go to waste. Um uh, because I I you know that you know it's not going to be the same starting five come the beginning of next year. Um so hopefully I mean, or, you know, if Jimmy Butler goes, hopefully we can replace him with maybe like a Kemba Walker or something like that. I mean, that'd be great, but uh-huh. I, I'd really like to see Tobias stay. I mean, that's really the person I really want to hold on to. Yeah, I agree with you. I appreciate the call, Andrew. Thanks. Um, oh, wait, wait. You, oh, you got, got a, a mo- Philly, my greatest oh, yes. Philly moment. Go ahead, yeah. Uh, mine, for me, is, is Chase Utley's first at-bat. I mean, how do you beat that? That was pretty and cool. Especially, especially the player he turned out to be, too, you know? Yeah, that one was pretty cool when he hit that he hit that homer, sprinted around the bases. That was oh, a good man. one. Man, that was a grand slam. How do you yeah. beat that your first at bat? Yeah, that was cool well, thanks when for taking my call. No man. problem, man. Thank you. That was cool when just all those guys came up. You know, when Chase came up and, and Ryan Howard came up and you know, you gotta and that's another thing about Price Harper that's so crazy is you know, those guys came up at like twenty six. They came up at the age Bryce Harper is now. Bryce Harper's been in the league for seven years. Came up when he's nineteen. Won the MVP when he was like 22. That's insane. But um, as we were just talking about there with with Brett, it, it is, you know, it's a tough thing with Brett Brown. It's tough to grasp because I do like him. And I think Brett Brown, in a lot of ways, does a very good job. I think the players really like him. I think the players respond to him. I think the players respect him, which you can see in the NBA is not something that's universal. I mean, look at what's going on in L.A. right now. Those players don't respect Luke Walton. LeBron James doesn't respect Luke Walton. There are a lot of coaches out there who don't have the respect of their players in the NBA. I think Brett does. But it, it's weird to me that I think sometimes he really might overthink it. Like, I just did not understand at all telling Ben Simmons to miss that free throw. It made no sense. There is, you know, I, I'd love to see the analytics on it because uh, I, I highly doubt that analytics would suggest that that's a higher percentage play. I mean, the odds of you, even if you hit the rim, getting that rebound are not very high. You know, uh, I just, I, I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. And it's not the first time we've seen it. I mean, think back to Monday night. In New Orleans, a New Orleans team without Anthony Davis. Sixers were very fortunate to win that game. That was another one where Brett Brown almost lost the game. Sixers up one after New Orleans scores late. And instead of taking a timeout and getting J.J. Redick back on the floor because he had Jonathan Simmons out there for defense, he doesn't call a timeout. Jonathan Simmons ends up with the ball in his hands, gets fouled, misses two free throws. If New Orleans scores on the other end and wins that game, that's another game this week that Brett Brown has squandered at the end. So I don't know what it is with him late in these games, but he doesn't he he, he doesn't seem to make the right decisions, the obvious decisions. I, and I just thought of that about Monday night. I just remembered that now. I remember watching the game at home, and I'm thinking, why does he not call a timeout to get J.J. Redick back on the floor? I know J.J. Redick is is struggling right now, 
but the guy's a 90% free throw shooter. I don't trust Jonathan Simmons at the line. It it didn't make any sense. And these are these are easy decisions. These are easy decisions that Brett Brown should see. And he's consistently, you know, making the wrong ones. I don't get it. 888-729-9494. Let's go to Jim in the Northeast. What's up, Jim? Hello? Oh, Jim, what's up, man? Uh, this is AJ. Um, oh, so AJ. Listen, here, here's the thing. I, I, I was totally agreeing, especially last year, and you know, with the whole Brett Brown thing. But after watching a lot of games and seeing, especially the playoffs, like, you put him in a situation where, like, hey, he's got to support the young teams. He's got to give a positive uh, feedback, and he's got to be – and he's really got to support the, the ownership group and how they want to play if they want to make these players, you know, the face of the franchise. And when you have a player like Ben Simmons, listen, I know he had a big game stats-wise the other day, but when you have him score one point in a playoff game or he's limited – with free throw shooting and field goal shooting and can't hit a jump shot, that is like, it's like giving Brett Brown a handicap saying, well, we got to feature this guy because he's, he's going to be us going forward, but you've got to win games now. And I think having a good backup point guard that he can rely on in the playoffs this year, I don't know if we could get somebody or sign somebody, but I don't trust Ben Simmons in there for the, for, for the last few minutes of the game. And you got to have someone else that's going to give more confidence because you know, it's just too many things for Brett Brown to think about. It's well, not fair to I him. I mean, AJ, I mean, I know there are a lot of coaches in this league that would kill to have Ben Simmons. I mean, I I think this team has a lot bigger issues than Ben Simmons right now. He, he, he had a bad series last year against the Celtics, but Ben Simmons is an elite player. I don't think you can, the way the NBA is right now and how tough the competition has gotten, the way the game has changed, I don't think you can win uh, I don't think you can win a championship with the way Ben Simmons plays like now with his weaknesses right now. And I think if you look back past five, six, seven, eight years, I was just looking at teams and championships. There's no real team that had a player with that big of a flaw that was your number one, number two player. If you have Embiid, who's ready to win a championship right now, you know, to me, Embiid is a flawless player. You can say whatever you want to say, but he's essentially a flawless player in my mind. And Ben Simmons is just not on that level. If you if you brought up Ben Simmons up or you give a better secondary option, I think Brett Brown has something else to do. But it's it's tough with the player he has, players he has right now. Well, I get it, say. AJ, that you focus on the things Ben Simmons can't do. But what about all the things that he can do? I mean, he's a very productive player. He's He's like an historically good player for his time he's been in the league. Well, let's put it this way. Are you saying with with all the assistant coaches that they have and, and, and the NBA teams have, including Brett Brown, the 76ers, there's enough smart guys in the room on that table to advise Brett Brown on what to do with the last minute? I don't think there should be us, uh, there, us seeing what's happening at the last few minutes and say, saying, oh, Brett doesn't know what he's doing. I, I don't think I don't think us screwing up the last minute of a game is going to stop us from winning a championship. I don't think it's going to be Brett that's holding us back. Well, I mean, you see, I mean, a lot of these games come down to the last minute. A lot of these games come down to the last 30 seconds. I, I, you know, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but, you know, that's just how I feel about it right now. But thanks for the call. Thanks for the time. No problem, AJ. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you, it is, it is tough. It's because I, I do like Brett Brown, but I'm – 
a lot of these games do come down to the last minute, do come down to the last 30 seconds. That's where so many of these games are won, late in the fourth quarter. You know, when you do have to adjust, you do need to find a way to get your offense going. The offense stagnated in the second half last night. Is that all on Brett Brown? No, of course not. But it is Brett Brown's job to put his players in the best position to to succeed and close out that game. And I don't think he did that last night. Not in the last minute. Not in the last 20 seconds. You know, when, when when you're walking the ball up the floor, when you... You should just go for a quick two. It's easy. It's easy to know that's the plan. When you have a guy like Ben Simmons, that's where he excels, pushing the ball, getting to the rim. They were pressing. There was nobody rim protecting. And if they do close on him, he kicks it out for three. They weren't going to converge on him. They were going to give you an easy two. Why you don't take it and why you try to play in the half court when you're not a half court team but you do it at the end of the game against the Warriors, it didn't make any sense. And, you know, I worry about Brett Brown's ability to adjust in the playoffs against some of these other teams with elite players and with elite coaches. 888-729-9494. 888 pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. I'm Tom Kelly. WIB Sports Time is 921. Well, that was the call. Chase Utley's uh, open, first homer of his career is a uh, caller brought up last segment as one of their favorite memories. Um, Pretty amazing. Good job, Anthony Foley, pulling up that Chase Utley home run as we've been taking your your memories, mainly from the 2007 to 11 run, but some people have given us some earlier runs than that. The last uh, great era of Phillies baseball as they enter another one now with Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Aaron Nola, and build for the future coming up here, we're talking a lot about the Phils tonight, what you can expect, and Gabe in year two, and more recently on the show, um, Brett Brown and some of the issues that have plagued the Sixers late in games. And we saw it last night, saw it on Monday night, and they're fortunate to beat New Orleans in that game Monday night, not calling a timeout and getting your best free throw shooters on the floor. It's another example of Brett Brown for for whatever reason, he seems overmatched late in games. And I don't really understand it. I think as a whole, he's a good coach. I think he's done a good job developing these guys, developing the guys that have been around um, with him for a few years. There haven't been many. He's dealt with a lot of moving parts, obviously, throughout the process years. And even over the last couple of years with the Jimmy Butler trade and the Tobias Harris trade, I, he said it last night. They, they talked about it on the broadcast on ABC that – you know, he feels like he's coached three different teams this year. The team he started the season with, the team that uh, came in once Jimmy Butler came on board, and now this new team with Tobias Harris. So Brett Brown has done a good job keeping it together with a lot of moving parts, but I did not understand the strategy of intentionally missing a free throw last night. Didn't make any sense. I didn't get walking the ball up the floor and trying to play in the half court when that's not the way you play. That's not the way this team is when they're at their best. You like to run. They like to get out and, and get points on the break. That's when Ben Simmons is at his best, especially with Joel Embiid out of the lineup. So it didn't make a lot of sense to me down three um, that Brett would have played it that way last night. So if you want to get in on that, you're more than welcome. And I see this video on Twitter. These people in New Orleans are so petty at this point. I mean, this is ridiculous. I see it Mardi Gras. They have a whole float devoted to to um, 
guys dressed up as refs, and they have like uh, they're made out to be like blind, and it's all about them missing the call in the NFC Championship game. When are these people just going to get over it? Stop crying. You lost the game. I know if you were listening a couple weeks ago when I was on, I had a big blowout argument with Ricky Ricardo um, about, you know, whether the Saints fans are are over-dramatizing this or not. I think it's ridiculous at this point. The Saints had opportunities to win that game other than that one play. There was an egregious missed face mask against Jared Goff on the uh, possession before. Give me a break. When are they going to get over this? Are they just going to cry about this forever? You blew it. You lost the game. You got the ball to start overtime. You didn't score. You blew it. These Saints fans are so annoying. Get over it. Stop crying. 888-729-9494. Pal 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Let's go to Jason in Philly. What's up, Jason? Hi, how's it going, Tom? What's up, man? How you doing? Not much. Yeah, I was calling uh, yeah, about the whole Brett Brown thing. It's almost like... Uh seeing like Andy Reid again coaching the, the Sixers in the arena at the end of the game. It's like, well, it's an interesting something. comparison, Jason. I made it – I talked about that a little bit uh, when I was on this morning is, you know, and I think Andy's a good coach. I do too. I think Andy is a, a good coach as far as game planning, but Andy had his flaws when it came to adjusting during the game, and I do think Brett Brown has those same kind of issues. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big – uh, Brett Brown fan too, but it's starting to make you worry. Like at the end of the game, like that was common sense last night. It seemed like, and uh, did that? Mean, it I didn't believe, make any sense to you either. No, not at all. And it was like I believe, like didn't uh, Durant miss a free uh, foul shot the, the time down before? Yeah, before yeah. we got that. That's what I mean. It didn't make sense. You got like ten seconds is is a fun time in the NBA. A uh, Golden State. They were missing free throws the entire fourth quarter. I mean, they they right, missed right. free throws were keeping the Sixers in that game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you got a couple more shots maybe in the NBA with that that time. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed like another thing. You think maybe, uh, what you call, did that on his own and Brett Brown maybe sticking up for him? Like, um, Simmons just trying to do that by himself, you think, maybe? I thought of that possibly, but I don't think so. I think well, there Brett... was no time out called or anything. That's why I was just right. wondering maybe. No, I, I think Brett really did communicate to him that that was the plan. That's what Brett said the plan was, was if we get fouled, you know, make one, miss the second. And, you know, I, I mean, Brett Brown obviously knows more basketball than I do, but I didn't understand that strategy. I didn't get it nah, at all. I mean, me either, especially 10 seconds. At least one more time go down and, like, they make the two shots. So now they got the two shots. They make two shots in possession game. In which they did, and then oh no, no, they missed one, I believe. But yeah, they no, missed one, and then the the long pass to Harris, he stepped on the out of bounds line. Right, well, that's just desperation at right. that point. But right, just like you know what I mean. I hope it's just and like at this time, it's a great time in Philly sports where you got all these players coming, all this talent, and you hate to to see it wasted if it's if it's Brett Bounds' just decision making at at times where he said like coaching against Boston and stuff like that. I hate to see. Talent wasted that we have, you know. Yeah, I mean, and and it's going to be disappointing if they don't if they don't get at least I think to the conference finals or at least are competitive in the second round. It, it's going to be really disappointing. I think we got to get at least to the conference finals. Yeah, that's, that's why we got. 
Yeah. It's not to the, to the finals. But you hate to see it lost on, on some bad coach or for the common sense plays to me. I mean, I coached 17U, and I, I mean, that's that's something common. Like, we would just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Make that foul shot and try to let them see if they may miss another foul shot, and you got one possession game if they miss one. Or if not, then you do the uh, try it the next time down. Yeah. Well, I got you. But, I appreciate the call, Jason. Thanks, so man. I got uh, the. Uh, oh, yeah, Phil. was. Um, so his moment was uh, 2010. I had my my dad and my two sons at the time were probably seven and ten at the uh, the Roy Holiday no hitter. After six innings, I was telling my kids like they really didn't understand that. The, the playoff time. one against the Reds. Yes, the playoff one okay. against the Reds. I'm like, you guys don't even understand what you're really, really <laughs> seeing right now. You, you'll appreciate it more when you're older and what they do now. You know, but that was a great moment. Yeah, it's awesome. There, my two sons, you know. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for the call. Yeah, somebody gave that one. That's awesome to be at that game. That's got to be really cool to be at that game, at that no-hitter. But, uh, yeah, it, it, and when, when you look at this when you look at this Sixers thing, it's, it's, it's interesting. Somebody asked me when I was on doing the overnight, you know, what does Brett Brown, what's the minimum that Brett Brown needs to do to firmly keep his job? I think the minimum is – competitive second round series like I'm talking you get the three seed you beat Brooklyn in five you know if you play Toronto and you lose in seven and Kawhi just has a couple otherworldly performances which could happen I mean Kawhi's that good of a player and say you lose to the Raptors in seven I think that's enough to keep his job like I do I, I mean I think that's enough but if you play Toronto and you get smoked and you get swept or you lose in five and it's not really close. And it looks like the Boston series look last year where there's questionable decisions. It's going to be a tough decision for Elton Brand and Josh Harris and Josh Harris. You know, they showed the quote during the game last night that Josh Harris talked, said, quote, it would be problematic if the Sixers didn't get further than they got last year. I mean, that's a pretty damning quote in my mind that they have high expectations and if those expectations aren't reached that Brett Brown could be the fall guy I mean somebody's gonna have to take the blame for it I mean when you make these moves that they've made you go out get Jimmy Butler you go out get Tobias Harris they're moves for this year they're moves for right now they're not moves for the future these guys are free agents at the end of the year yeah I think there's a good chance Tobias Harris is back I don't think Jimmy Butler's probably coming back Unless you do make a big-time run and, and Jimmy Butler falls in love with Philly and Philly falls in love with Jimmy Butler. But as of now, I don't think Jimmy Butler's coming back. So, yeah, I, I think this team has a lot of pressure on them going into the playoffs. For a young team, they have a lot of pressure on them, and Brett Brown has a lot of pressure on him. Let's go to Steve and Kenton. What's up, Steve? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Okay. I have a gripe about baseball, the way it's played these days. I'm glad that we got a Harper, but uh, I think the game is dumbed down. It's it's a hit a home run or strike out, and that's boring to me. Uh, I like small ball. I like strategy. Uh, I want to see stealing bases. Uh, it's it's a wonderful game, but it, it, home runs are. Uh, are the simplest form of uh, dumbing down of the game. I, I, I'm just a, an old disgruntled uh, fan. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the game has changed, Steve, definitely with the new analytical approach. I mean, guys are swinging for the fences, and, you know, a lot of it is strikeout or, or you know, big bomb. And I get how that can be frustrating. It's just the way the game is is these days. It's it's different, no doubt. Yeah, and the designated hitter is going to make it even worse. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I, I, I get what they're doing i do it's kind of cool the idea of the pitcher hitting i i like the strategy it brings yeah. to the game so yeah i i i would kind of prefer for them to stay the way it is but i just think it's an inevitability with the you know the way people view it now that they want to see offense and they want yeah. to see homers it's true in other sports too in football they want all offense uh, i enjoyed that super bowl i listened to it on the radio and to me, it was like a pitcher's duel. The defenses were, it was a building tension to see who would give up first. Who would, <laughs> everybody else who watched it on TV was said it was a boring game. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I hear you. And it is it is fun watching those pitcher's duels. And you still get them a, a decent amount, though. There's mm-hmm. still some good pitching out there. I got a moment. Sure. Uh, I wasn't paying much attention to uh, baseball back in the early 2000s. But then Rowan ran into the wall. And man, I thought if he's going to give give himself up that much, I'm I'm going to take an interest. Remember that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Aaron Rowan running into the wall. I think yeah. that was '06, I believe. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was a pretty cool moment. It, that it was really when they were set, just getting competitive again. Yeah, yeah. Set the tone. Yep, that was a good one, Steve. I appreciate the call. Thanks, man. Okay. Yep. Right. Actually, I think that may have been '07. I think that may have been '07 because Aaron Rowan was still here on that '07 team. Because Victorino and Worth were kind of platooning in right field at the time, so that 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 was oh seven. I think that's a good one. Eight 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 seven two nine nine four nine four pound nine four nine for AT and T Verizon. So continue talking Phils and Sixers when we get back. Also, we'll turn it over to my man Rob Ellis coming up at ten. And also, I want to play some. Uh, Vince Quinn put something together for his show the other night that uh, was pretty pretty humorous. As a broadcaster returning to the playing field after a. a unceremonious first year as a broadcaster. Uh, I want to play this thing that Vince put together, some of his uh, best work or worst work uh, uh, based on how you view it from this year in the booth. 888-729-9494, pound 9494, AT&T, Verizon Cell. I'm Tom Kelly, WIP Sports Time is 940. Sports Radio 94, WIP with you for another couple minutes before we turn it over to Rob Ellis. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at TommyKelly44. Uh, fun show tonight, talking a lot about the Phillies. As it, baseball is relevant again in this town, it's going to be a fun uh, period here. It's going to be a fun six months. I'm just really excited for baseball season to get here now. It's been a long time since you felt this way. Um, seeing a video on Twitter of them actually like stitching on the jerseys, which is pretty cool. Uh, consider if you missed it earlier, Phillies uh, Bryce Harper jerseys. Sold more in 24 hours than any athlete in any sport ever in a 24-hour period. Phillies merchandise, according to Todd Zalecki, um, up 5,000% from this time last year. The uh, sales at this time last year compared to now. So that's a, I'd say that's a pretty significant increase, uh, to say the least. What, what um what Harper jersey are you going? You going powder blue? You going home pinstripe? You know what, Anthony? I I might I'm I I'm kind of a jersey guy. I think I might uh, just go with the jersey. What what one of those guys? Yeah, yeah, I'm one of the for baseball. Yeah, baseball jerseys are are they look a little weird. I think I don't know. I'll get I get the the jersey. I'll go with the jersey for for that. 
I have an Embiid jersey. Basketball, you got to go that. Basketball jerseys, I, I definitely don't think I could. Well, with the Sixers, you don't, you don't know who's safe or not. Yeah, that's so, true. Well, the last couple of years. Embiid and Simmons, I think, are the only safe ones there. They're the only safe ones. Harper, that's the 13-year investment. That's yeah, a good one. that is. That is a good one. If you're going to get a jersey, get a Bryce Harper jersey, basically. But, uh, yeah, so that that's that's pretty I- incredible. Um, and then we're talking about the what you can expect from the Phils this year and Brett Brown um, and his job security. And, and in a minute here, I do want to uh, pay homage to a, a broadcaster who's going back to the field. A rough, rough for, uh, first year that was uh, horrible enough made him go back to the playing field. Let's get Sonny in here first, though. What's up, Sonny? Hey, much respect, TK. Shout out on? to Anthony, too. It's uh, the people behind the glass tonight. It's like the producer's night. I love this. This is like a uh, behind-the-scenes little. Uh, also, he played the Hard Knocks beat there. That was a good one. Yeah. I, I want to say also only a – go ahead. I mean, I tell you. No, no, you're good, Sonny. Go ahead. Uh, only someone like you would come up with a real good question to, like, pique my interest to call in, you know what I mean, with the best Phillies night because I was at the World Series rain delay in 93 with the – um. Oh, okay. It was a loss. It was a loss, but, you know. But it made me think, too, just a little pro tip for filing away for the future, anyone. But uh, you could go fit best Philly sports moment. It's not just Phillies, but all the Philly, any Philly. Because I was in the end zone when Westbrook ran the that pump back. But that's a story for another day. Brett Brown, okay, TK, man, check it out. I know you don't trust him at the end of the game. I know. I know you don't. Nobody does. And I'm not saying fire Right. I'm a process truster. I just think he's a really, really, really great assistant coach. And why not just bring in someone and keep him on board? I and, don't think he'd want to go for that, Sonny. I don't think after well, all this, I don't think yeah. Brett's taking a demotion You're not to wrong. the assistant spot. Well, maybe you put him a promotion. Maybe make a special consultant in the front office. You could easily put him up and uh, higher up in the – in the building, the thing is, I have a movement that I'm starting, and I hope you can, like, be open to – Becky Hammond is going to be the next best NBA coach. So I kind of want to be those that team that's ahead of the curve and hires her before someone else does. And I know that – because I think outside the box, and not everyone's up to speed with that, but I would leverage their position as a contender and outbid for someone like Spo or of the ilk who's in a non-playoff fringe kind of non-contender, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They're now at the top, at the, in the echelon of NBA franchises where you could, uh, as Anthony even mentioned, Doc was traded, okay? So that's on the table. Like, And at the very least, I would honestly trust Monty Williams in mm-hmm. the end of games right now. He was a USA coach. Yeah, I, the program. I got something. I got to run here, but uh, I, I there's some interesting suggestions. I don't think Spolstra, Spolstra and Pat Riley are very close. I don't think he's leaving Miami. Becky Hammond, I do think she probably will get a head coach job at some point. Um, she's paid her dues certainly under Greg Popovich. She's going to get a job at some point. Um, but as far as Brett, Brett is not going to move to a different spot in the organization. I don't. I, I think he wants to be a coach, and if they don't want to let him be the coach, I think he's going to go elsewhere. But uh, we'll see. And Brett Brown, I do think it's going to – the next couple months are going to determine what ends up happening for him, though. But before we get out of here, I did want to touch on this. meant to do it earlier. Um, Jason Witten announced this week that he is going back to the Dallas Cowboys in a stunning announcement, leaving Monday Night Football 
after, uh, an, uh, I guess maybe you can call it an up and down year, more down than up, certainly. But uh, I got to give credit to Vince Quinn, uh, one of my colleagues here at the station, put this uh, together. Some of Jason's best work from his one year in the Monday Night Football booth. Having an issue with it there, but J- Jason Witten was um, pretty horrendous. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Jason Witten was a disaster in the Monday Night Football booth. And here's the uh, sound of his some of his best work. Talking about kicking yourself in the foot and, uh, and uh, pulling rabbits out of your head. Jason Witten uh, barely knew you as a broadcaster. So upsetting that, uh, that, that Jason's moving on. Um, but, by the way, what, what are the Dallas Cowboys doing? Like, why would you bring back Jason Witten when they have to sign? I mean, I don't think they should, but they're going to sign Dak to a long-term extension. They got to sign Zeke. They got to sign Amari Cooper. And they're going to waste any cap room on Jason Witten who, hey, he was a great player in his time, but he's been done for years. I mean, Jason Witten has been done for for a long time. He's he's not a he, he's not, he's not an NFL player anymore. And he takes a year off, goes to and does Monday Night Football, and he was so bad. Think about that. How bad do you have to be? How much do you have to get made fun of? To, to go back and play for the Dallas Cowboys again after one year in the booth. And it's it, it's unbelievable. He was, it might go down as the worst broadcasting era ever. The, most, the worst broadcasting career ever. It really might. I mean, I can't think of anybody who's been that much worse. That Monday night football team was... Terrible. I'm not a big fan of Joe Tess. I'm not a big fan of Booger either. I guess they're just going to go with uh, with Joe Tess and, and Booger next year and go with a two-man booth. I don't know. But um, Jason Witten back on the field. And I got to say, I'm not I'm not afraid of Jason Witten uh, coming back to the link next year. I'm not. I, I, I think Jason Witten is done. I don't think he is um, much of a threat for the Cowboys anymore. And I, I'm, I'm stunned. I was pretty shocked when I heard that announcement that Jason Witten was not only quitting Monday night football, um, but going back to play for the Cowboys. That's the old, uh, you know, I'm going to quit before I get fired thing. Cause they were going to give him another year, but he was, he wasn't going to get any better. I mean, it, I did almost feel bad for Jason Witten. He was so bad that, you know, you knew this thing wasn't going to last too long. But um, so long to Jason Witten. He'll be back on the field for the Dallas Cowboys next year. And uh, that'll do it for us. Um, Stay tuned. Next up is Rob Ellis. I've had a good time talking to you tonight. I'll be back on next Friday into Saturday, 2 to 5 overnight, filling in for Trev. Thanks to Mike DeFury did the first hour of the show. Thanks to Anthony Foley doing a great job with the last three hours. I'm Tom Kelly. I'll talk to you guys next time. WIP Sports Time is 9.56. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.